Ben Sutton. Show your patriotism with the flag from the United States Flag Service. They offer premium, high-quality flags that are made in the USA. Whether it's the grand old flag, your favorite military flag, or a historical flag, celebrate your freedom with the flag from the United States Flag Service. Go to usflagservice.com. That's usflagservice.com to see their selection of available flags. And then call 1-800-USA-FLAG to purchase your flag today. USA Flag Service. Fly your flag for freedom. Now, the Jen Charlton Show on 930 WFMD and WFMD.com. Telling it like it is with your host, Jen Charlton. Good morning and welcome. It is going to be an important show today. There is so much happening right now, and it couldn't be more timely for me to have the guests that we have. You know, God always has a plan, and he always delivers. Not always our plan, but it is his plan, and it will always be the one that prevails. So here we are. We're going to talk about China today, and in the midst of it, there's some breaking news about Israel. But when you look at what we were going to talk about today is really the global breakdown around democracy and really the East versus the West and so forth. And the irony of this is my guest has been, um, wears a badge of honor having been slammed by the Southern Poverty Law Center. Uh, they are an equal opportunity, anti-democratic, uh, you know, organization. But at any rate, so they've they've talked about my guest, Frank Gaffney, as somebody who is gripped by paranoid fantasies about Muslims destroying the West from within. Gaffney claims that creeping Sharia, blah, blah, blah. Here's the problem. It just happened this morning. Now, isn't that ironic that Palestinian militants just attacked Israel? So there is a breakdown. There is an attack on Western civilization, which I believe Israel is a part of that. You know, they, they really are more part of the West than they are the Middle East. And maybe that's part of their conflict in that region because they don't subscribe to so much of what is around them. And I'm no expert, but this is my limited understanding. But I do have an expert on the phone with us today who's going to talk about it. So I'll bring him right on because there's so much to cover. Good morning and welcome to the show, Frank Gaffney. So, Frank, you have authored a book called The Indictment, Prosecuting the Chinese Communist Party and Friends for Crimes Against America, China, and and the, and the world, really. I, I want to talk about your background before we launch into why you're an expert on these things. Can we talk a little bit about your history? So you worked for President Ronald Reagan. Is that accurate? Yes, ma'am. I had the privilege of acting as an assistant secretary of defense on his uh, watch and um, for about four and a half years altogether for him in the Pentagon, uh, first as a deputy assistant secretary. I worked on Capitol Hill uh, for the Senate Armed Services Committee as a professional staff member and for Senator Scoop Jackson before that. Um, I've uh, founded and run an organization for the past 35 years, um, now under uh, the presidency of a terrific um, retired Marine Lieutenant Colonel by the name of Tommy Waller, um, that is uh, earned the ire of the Southern Poverty Law Center and the Muslim Brotherhood and 
uh, the Chinese Communist Party and before them all the Soviet Union uh, and its uh, operatives, basically because we stand for freedom against uh, tyranny of various kinds, uh, totalitarianism of whatever stripe, whether it's a communist or a Sharia supremacist or something else. Um, and uh, when you're effective, people like uh, the Southern Poverty Law Center, which is a political warfare weapon of the radical left um, will do what they can to silence you. And, uh, you know, they've tried to in my case, and they have not succeeded, I'm proud to say. But uh, it's uh, part of the war we're in, as uh, the totalitarians are here in the United States, as well as uh, elsewhere. And they're trying very hard to make sure that the American people are not aroused, are not awakened, are not informed about the natures of the challenges that we're facing or equipped to do much about them. And um, our purpose at the Center for Security Policy is to prevent them from succeeding in doing so. Wow. So, you know, keeping us ignorant and helpless is is the plan. And one thing I'm really proud of across this country is how patriots have stood up together and it's not just your young, buff military and law enforcement. It is little old ladies like me. It's grandmas and grandpas and parents. And again, shout out to you know Moms for Liberty and their organization across the country. There are people who are mm-hmm. linking arms because we're saying, no, you're not going to keep us ignorant, stupid, and helpless. And you're not going to trample our liberties. And so, but we are, at, we are at war for those very ideals. And I want to say, piggyback on something you said, because a lot of my work has been in human services and in particular, working with women's issues. And when you talk about Sharia law, I, and I've often said this, I was a commissioner with the Commission for Women, so I was really steeped in the work. And when mm-hmm. you look at Sharia law, that is, I think, the one of the central issues that divides us as East and West and so forth, Muslim, Christian, because if you can't control your women, people, control your women. If you can't control your women then, you know, you have no um, society that you can therefore control. So in other words, the women are at the heart of it. There was a woman that did, um, so I'm going to digress for a second because I think it's really important. It is the problem that faces Muslim versus Christian in insofar as seeing eye to eye. Because if you have that women cannot succeed, women cannot work, women cannot have their own identity, women are property, then you cannot have a viable society outside of that tyranny. That's what I think. I don't know. Your thoughts? Well, I certainly agree that um, the misogyny, as it's called, of uh, Sharia is a horrific aspect of what is a brutally repressive system. It's just that it doesn't treat other people very well either, Um, particularly Christians, uh, Jews, uh, non-believers, all of them. Gays, they'll kill you. Male or female, homosexuals, you bet. Um, uh, All of those are folks who are uh, going to be subjected uh, to the most brutal kind of repression. And if deemed necessary or expedient, uh, the horrific murder 
by those who adhere to this program. Now, uh, let me be clear, not all Muslims believe that Sharia uh, compels them to wage jihad or at least uh, seek to, you know, fulfill that obligation. But the authorities of the faith say that is what is required. They say that is the true meaning of uh, this various sacred texts, the Quran and the Hadiths and so on. But the point is that uh, whether you're male or female, uh, if you are not with that program, you are subject to uh, their uh, very, very malign intent. And uh, that's that's ultimately what's at stake here. And uh, you mentioned in the opening that uh, Israel is now, as we speak, under invasion by jihadis and others uh, who may or may not be uh, as religious, but who are as terroristic as Hamas, uh, for example, Palestinian, uh, the liberation of Palestine group. But the, the, the point is that whether they are secular or whether they are strictly uh, Sharia adherent, uh, the people that are attacking Israel today uh, have in mind doing the same to the rest of us. And uh, it's unfortunately just one of the threats that we are facing at can, the moment. Can you explain jihad? Because I think we hear the term and we don't really understand what it means. Can you explain what it is from your professional perspective? Yes. It, it's not my professional perspective. It's just the facts, ma'am. Um, <laughs> there are those who would have us believe uh, that it's just about personal struggle and betterment. Uh, we were endlessly told this after 9-11. This was a very deliberate disinformation effort on the part of the Muslim Brotherhood and uh, others like it that wanted us to be clueless about the nature of the threat we were facing. What, what prompted 9-11, for example, and so much more. And in part, I think, as a result of that misinformation and the influence of the Muslim Brotherhood, going back to the George W. Bush administration, we have been very ill-equipped to contend with the threat from this particular quarter. Jihad, to answer your question, is holy war. It is to be practiced violently if possible. If not, you're supposed to do it by stealth, but under all circumstances, Sharia requires adherent Muslims to engage in a struggle against um, the infidels or anyone else who is impeding the realization of the global domination of Islam worldwide. And uh, it just, it couldn't be more clear in the text and the teachings and the traditions of, uh, again, not all Muslims, but of the ones that uh, are the authorities of the faith and that have practiced it uh, relentlessly uh, since the time of Muhammad. Well, and if they want to grow in their leadership, they must adhere to this. They must demonstrate their adherence, and they have to be compliant, right? Well, that's one way of putting it. If you do not, the Sharia-adherent Muslims are required by their doctrine to consider you an apostate. 
if you are a so-called moderate Muslim, if you eschew the sorts of things that I've just described, you are an apostate. And the appropriate uh, response of the faithful Muslim to an apostate is to kill him. I mean, this, this is pretty brutal stuff, and it may sound unbelievable and incredible. It just happens to be what the doctrine of Sharia requires. I commend to anyone in your audience who's interested in learning more about this, um, uh, well, the work of our Center for Security Policy, but particularly uh, one of our senior fellows, uh, Robert Spencer who has written, I think, 24 books, uh, most of them on one aspect or another of the stuff that we've just been talking about. And um, there are other resources, too, but I, I think those are particularly helpful in illuminating the true character of uh, this Sharia supremacist phenomenon and the danger that it represents to uh, anybody who is not with that program. So one of the things women. that one of the things I think we face and you pointed to it earlier, is, is ignorance. But, you know, when the communication is intended to keep us ignorant, in other words, it's either lying to us or withholding information, which is, in effect, a lie, that um, then we are left, quote, in the dark about different things. I think that a lot of Americans have no idea what you just shared with us. We live with this, well, we don't want to be, you know, discriminatory, toward Muslims. We want to treat all people equally, which is what our doctrine is. And yet there are people right. living in U.S. who are undermining this country and have every intention to do us in. 100%. Sadly, uh, they're not the only ones. Uh, there are people in this country who are equally committed to the destruction of this nation as the Sharia supremacists of the Muslim Brotherhood stripe, for example. Um, and those would be Marxists. Uh, they do business under varying uh, brands and names and so on. But they have in common this idea that uh, this nation uh, is, uh, well, systemically racist or, you know, uh, does not uh, subscribe to uh, diversity, equity, inclusion or critical race theory or uh, for that matter, just the basic nostrums of Karl Marx, and that therefore it must be, uh, you know, uh, fundamentally transformed, as one of their leaders famously called it, namely Barack Obama. And, you know, again, you're so right. I have a question um, for the you. The vast majority of Americans are unaware that that's the case either, unfortunately. So is Barack Obama Muslim? I believe he was a Muslim in his youth. I have no idea what his religion is at the moment. You know, uh, he uh, professed to be um, a Christian uh, of the Jeremiah Wright school, which um, is to say a virulently racist, uh, anti-American strain. Uh, but whether that qualifies as Christian or not, I don't know. Uh, you know, there are those who argue that um, to leave the faith of Islam, like being an apostate, is also something that makes you eligible for um, capital punishment. And by the way, not through some sort of court process. Any any faithful Muslim is uh, is entitled under Sharia to dispatch 
the apostate or or the the convert from Islam. So I, I mean, all of that operates and and raises a question: Could he really? And did he really? I don't know. But the point is, what I can tell you for sure is Barack Obama during his presidency and since has been aligned with and supportive of and enabling many of the most dangerous of these jihadist elements around the world. Arguably the most dangerous of them all at the moment is Iran. And Iran is now engaged in war against Israel. A full-on war is probably in the offing, but it has begun with an invasion from one of its minions, Hamas, and others associated with it, out of Gaza, in an invasion of Israel. Okay, so let me take— As we speak. uh, This is stunning. So let's wrap back to the money drop by Barack Obama— to the Iranians, and oh, by the way, also the issue around allowing them, or let's say, I I don't know kind of where we left off, but it seems like he gave way to nuclear developments in Iran that have gotten us to the point now where they've got the money and they've got the tools, to your point, to wage war against not just Israel, the West. I think they've got the bomb. Too. You're absolutely right. No, Barack Obama not only allowed the transfer of something on the order of $150 billion to the world's greatest terrorist regime. So isn't that treason? Yeah, I don't care if he was president he at the, the time. Isn't that treason? Look, of course it is. Of course it is. And none dare call it treason. But that's what it is. And the reality is that it's it's not only been a betrayal of our country, to which the Iranians have said for over 40 years, like a mantra, death to America is their policy. But it's also been death to Israel. And I fear that possibly within days uh, we will see a full-on war between Israel and Iran. We're, we're seeing it between one of their proxies right now. Um, I just got off the, uh, a, a television show that I do called Securing America, uh, which we taped a, a very powerful interview with one of my colleagues at the Center for Security Policy, Dr. David Wormser, who is in Israel at the moment under attack by missiles and rockets uh, going into Tel Aviv, where he is at the moment, among other places across Israel. Thousands of these missiles and rockets, by the way, as well as a land assault that has resulted in the seizure of hostages who have been taken back into Gaza to meet a very unsavory fate, almost certainly. This is going to result, I think, and more to the point he thinks, um, in a full-on well, invasion of Gaza and its reoccupation by Israel. We'll see. But what is very how many people are captive? Well, Sorry, Frank. Before uh, you move I, on, I think it, it's just it's it's anybody's guess at the moment. He he. I think he mentioned thirty-five, but I think that Got was uh, whatever that was. That was a, a snapshot. But Got the it. point is that it's this is an unfolding story as we speak. 
Uh, there will be more of them probably because there are still cities in Israel that apparently have been seized, or towns at least, by these Palestinian uh, invaders. So uh, this, watch this space. But the point is, uh, Jen, that the, the north of Israel, you have hundreds of thousands of these missiles and rockets in the hands of another Iranian proxy, Hezbollah. Those could go at any time into cities and towns all across Israel, uh, some of them now very precise so that they can be pinpointed to hit specific areas, uh, populated or military or otherwise. And the question that David raised is, uh, is all of this basically intended to uh, draw down critically the anti-missile defenses that Israel has? And why this is such an urgent and critical problem is that um, the so-called squad in Congress impeded the resupply of Israel. Of course they did. uh, Those kinds of anti-missile systems that we supply them with. Uh, And this is going to be a problem, I think, that large, especially when you look at a lot of empty um, stockpiles, not just in Israel, because we've sent stuff to Ukraine, but also in South Korea and, uh, you know, from our own stocks. Uh, we're watching, I think, the opening stages of World War Three. Okay, so... Uh, it probably began with the Ukraine, but this is the new, the new front, the second front in the Middle East. Well, we have... This, this is stunning. I mean, to your point, the multiple facets of war that we've been engaged in, and I believe it started uh, probably November 3rd, 2020. Um, but when you look at Ukraine, I'm totally against funding. I, I wasn't for funding any of Ukraine. I'm definitely against funding any more of Ukraine because, to your point, it's drawing down our resources. We have depleted our military. Now, is that by design by Mr. Biden? Is that by design by the O'Biden et al. group who has been, to your point earlier, funding Iran and bad actors who are our enemies and they're enemies against the West? Now we are we are depleted in our funds. Our economy is in the toilet. We have no resources. Our gas is depleted. Our our. Um, our resources for uh, our stockpiles for gas and fuel, and we and we're down on our uh, President Trump had restocked us on on all the military that uh, Obama had really done us in on, and and kind of counteracted that, and here we are back again to square one. I mean, how bad is it, Frank? To your larger point, do I think there is method to this madness? Yes. I believe that Barack Obama is effectively still running things and his team, his cohort, if you will. I I call this the Obama-Biden 3.0 administration. Um, And consistent with what he did in 1.0 and 2.0, I believe weakening the United States as part of his so-called fundamental transformation of it uh, is something that has uh, been underway for quite some time. It, it, you know, 
it, it began a new phase, to be sure, on November 3rd, 2020, but it, it has been underway for a decade or more. And where we're where we find ourselves at the moment is um, our military has been hollowed out. Our stockpiles and arms and, and for that matter, oil uh, have been grief, grievously depleted. Uh, the dollar has been debased to the point where uh, it's at risk of no longer being the reserve currency of the world. Um, our, uh, you know, uh, other institutions have been seriously uh, undermined as well. And I think not least confidence uh, on the part of the American people in their government has been shaken. We are we are done with this this nonsense. And now the question is, can we save our nation? We're going to take a quick break for news and weather. You're listening to the Jen Charlton Show. I have with me today Frank Gaffney, and we will be right back. Good morning and welcome back. This is Jen, and I have with me today Frank Gaffney, who is an expert. He worked in the Reagan administration, deputy secretary. I acted as an assistant secretary of defense. Okay, so you have a long history in this work, and thank you for all you've done standing up for freedom and democracy in the face of attacks, not only from bad actors outside of our borders, but from bad actors within our borders. And I want to remind people that the Constitution says that it's not only those outside it is those inside and it's hard to imagine that there may be people around us that would do us harm or frankly do our country harm but it is so and we have to deal with that reality and not worry about being called or what do they say racist or you're you know all of these different name callings it is what it is. So you are the executive chairman uh, for the Center for Security Policy. You started that 35 years ago. You're the vice chair in the Committee on the Present Danger of China. Let's talk about China. And there are some people who believe that China has been infiltrating us. And some of these people are associated with military. And I have those relationships and they've shared this with me that there are people who've been infiltrating us from China and other bad actors through our southern border. So this this notion that um, that the president, I believe, has broken his oath, no question. So is he subject to impeachment? Absolutely. And it should be done. But if we go back to China and where we are, they've been stealth-like in stealing our intellectual properties They've been stealth-like in embedding themselves in our culture. But at what point will they rise up from within and strike us down? So let's talk about China, first of all, and your perspective on where we are with the Chinese Communist Party. Well, thank you, Jen. Uh, There is a lot to talk about here. Um, We've written a book recently published uh, entitled The Indictment. I think you mentioned it at the top. Um, The subtitle of which is prosecuting the Chinese Communist Party and friends for crimes against America, China, and the world. And it's a way to think about the question that you've just put to me. Uh, And I would distill what we have found and described in this book based upon scores 
of webinars that our Committee on the Present Danger China has conducted over the past year. I think it's now up to 115 or so of them, which is a lot of video content, but it's an ex- it's a it's a postgraduate course, basically, on what we're up against. So if people want to know more than we can talk about today, I commend to them uh, presentdangerchina.org, and all of these are available for free. And the book, The Indictment, uh, describes um, nine charges against the Chinese Communist Party, uh, starting with crimes against humanity, which it has done on an unprecedented scale in the course of human history. By some estimates, 100 million people have been murdered by the Chinese Communist Party, and that doesn't include the 400 million, conservatively, mostly baby girls, that it has murdered in the womb. There's never been anything like it. And most of it, unfortunately, has been afflicted against its own people, which prompts the observation that any regime that would do that to its own people is unlikely to treat ours better. In fact, they will treat ours worse. The other eight charges, as we call them in this indictment, which we're bringing in the first instance in the court of public opinion, involve the unrestricted warfare the Chinese Communist Party has waged against our country for decades. And again, going back to what we talked about earlier, most of us are unaware that it's even afoot, let alone how much damage has been done to it. Through means such as, and I think this is the most single most important of the lines of attack, elite capture in our country. And you mentioned Joe Biden. Joe Biden is, according to one of our colleagues at the Committee on the Presentation of China, Sam Fattis, a career undercover operative of the Central Intelligence Agency, who used to, as a living, recruit and run agents for the United States in some pretty unsavory parts of the world. And he says, according to the lexicon of his trade, Joe Biden is a, quote, controlled asset of the Chinese Communist Party, unquote. And that's not just Hunter Biden. That's not just James Biden. That's not just the grandkids who've all been implicated in all of this. It's Joe Biden himself. And when you look at the damage that's being done to our country, which is something you touched on a moment ago, is it being done deliberately? Is it being done with the idea not only of weakening or indeed destroying our country? That's for sure. But is it also being done with the clear idea of benefiting its mortal enemy, namely the Chinese Communist Party? I think the answer to that is yes as well. So I could go through, you know, in greater detail, some of those other lines of attack, including biological warfare, by the way. That COVID-19 business was a biological warfare attack against our country. And unfortunately, I fear it is all setting up to your larger question, the distinct possibility that the Chinese are no longer going to confine themselves to the kind of a pre-kinetic, as it's called, unrestricted warfare that they've engaged in for all these years, but are now prepared to go to a shooting war with not just Taiwan or maybe Japan and the Philippines, but with us as well. In other words, right here in the U.S.? Including right here in the U.S., and you, you sort of alluded to this, one of the things that is deeply concerning is that there are now abundant reports, eyewitness reports, of large numbers, uh, by some estimates 10,000, 
by some estimates, considerably more than that, of people who look a lot like People's Liberation Army special forces who have been coming across the border of the United States and Mexico with impunity and have been very helpfully to them, uh, treated the same way we treat most of these other illegal aliens, which is at taxpayer expense. We ship them all over the country. Okay, hold on. i got to ask them. Is the invasion at the border from Guatemala and so forth, Central, South America, Cuba, wherever, is that invasion a cover for bringing in the Chinese PLA? It's certainly being exploited in that way. And by the way, there are other Chinese nationals coming in as well. It's just that there's reason to believe that people who will bring to your question the war to the home front in a very, very deadly way are among those, what is it, six million, seven million, eight million, who knows how many millions of people who have been brought in thanks to Joe Biden's policies, the wrecking operation epitomized by what he's done to the border. Uh, So whether it's a cover for it that was designed as such or whether it's simply being exploited for that purpose, I can't say for sure. But I can tell you that you could not do much more harm to our country in all of these ways than what Joe Biden has done and do more benefit to the CCP than he's been doing. So therefore, our Second Amendment could be could not be more critical and relevant than it is in this moment in our history. We must be able to defend ourselves. This is the great wild card for what the Chinese have in mind for us, is that there are hundreds of millions of uh, weapons in the hands of patriotic Americans. There are probably a lot of other people, too, to be honest, but but patriotic Americans, um, that will complicate things unless they use the technique that they have demonstrated, at least in a proof of concept, over the past couple of years. And by the way, one of the most important... I'm sorry, which is that, Frank? Frank, which is that? I'm coming to it. Okay. I'm coming to it. (laughs) One of the most important parts of this book, The Indictment, is that we quote from... Uh, a speech that was given about 20 years ago by the guy who was then the defense minister of China. His name is Chi Haotian, a general, who was speaking in a closed session to party leaders. And he said a number of things that were very concerning. But one of them was that the mission that was given to the Chinese Communist Party's illegal biological warfare program back in the early 1990s by Deng Xiaoping, was at the time the general secretary of the Chinese Communist Party, and the guy who brought us, by the way, Tiananmen Square. He commissioned the People's Liberation Army's bio program to prepare to depopulate the United States so that it could be colonized by China. And you can bet that in that Wuhan Institute of Virology or other assets of that People's Liberation Army bio warfare program, there are worse diseases by far than COVID. And the problem is that uh, if they kill us off through a deadly bio attack, uh, armed though we may be, uh, they could well capture more or less intact 
not only all those guns, but also uh, all of our infrastructure and our country. I think that's what they have in mind. And to think otherwise is, uh, I believe, to be recklessly irresponsible, especially in light of what they just did to us with COVID-19. Okay, there's so much to unpack there. So let's, let's, a couple of things that come to mind. One of the um, things we've covered over the years is with Peter Pry, who unfortunately has passed away. But uh, Peter, yeah, he was on with me several times talking about EMPs. What are your thoughts? Because he was the premier expert on EMPs. What are your thoughts on that? And, and is that also a risk for us? from china i work i work very closely with peter pry for the last oh, 20 years i suppose of his life and uh mourn his passing greatly he was one of our truly um, brilliant n- nuclear and national security strategists he's absolutely right and and we've we've had underway for 15 years or so uh now a uh a, coalition you mentioned our committee on the present danger china we we specialize in creating and leading coalitions and uh, another of them has been the secure the grid coalition of which peter was a member um we've been very very concerned about the vulnerabilities of our grid and peter's absolutely right electromagnetic pulse uh, which the chinese communist party understand and and uh, have as part of their nuclear warfighting doctrine, as do the Russians, as do the Iranians, as do the North Koreans, as do, I think, the Pakistanis, who knows? I mean, basically all of the bad guys understand that our vulnerability to a catastrophic defeat, if our electric grid goes down and stays down, have taken, uh, I think, the full measure of what it would take to do that. And here's the problem, is while a nuclear detonation in space creating what's called electromagnetic pulse is by far the most efficient way to take down our grid, it's not the only way. And if you have, for example, several thousand uh, Chinese sappers, as they're called, special operators in our country, you can bet that uh, a handful of them could take down the electric grid through just old-fashioned physical sabotage. And I think that's part of the plan. So this is another problem. And, and by taking down the electric grid, and by the way, get this, John, as you may know, Peter, if Peter were here, he would be all about this. We have inserted into our electric grid 400 high-voltage Transformers, wait for it, manufactured in communist China. Two of which. That's the enemy within. Oh my God. Two of which have been taken apart and been established to have back doors that allow them to be disabled or worse remotely. Oh, you mean kind of like. This is a a problem. Yeah. Well, let me point to something because I want. Turning them off. Frank, let me point to something that that you're pointing to. All of this technology that has been built for us in China with the assistance of, frankly, infiltrators who have stolen some of our own technology to do so, uh, all of that has left us vulnerable also in our election machines. 
And this is why I'm pointing, and I'll say it here, we must go to paper ballots and we must dispatch with the machines on our next election if we are blessed enough to have one. All right, go ahead. I couldn't agree more. You're absolutely right. Um, look, the, the truth of the matter is, whether it's transformers, whether it's election machines, whether it's medicines, whether it's even equipment on our own military aircraft and other gear, we have become dependent upon Chinese sources of supplies. That is a, a formula for disaster. There's no other way to describe it. So here's the piece that I just want to leave your audience with. Um, this is some pretty grim tidings, needless to say. We have 20 specific recommendations in our book, The Indictment, as to things that we not only should do, but must do to try to mitigate these dangers. And the good news is, Jen, if there is any, um, the Chinese Communist Party is in serious trouble at the moment through a combination of economic disaster, financial, uh, you know, terminal decline, um, serious political unrest, and not least a demographic time bomb that some forecasts may result in the Chinese population being the size of ours in another 20 years or so. But the danger is that, unfortunately, that sounds like good news, but it might be uh, some bad news, too, because it may mean that what the Chinese Communist Party feels compelled to do in the person of Xi Jinping is go to war to try to change things around before that kind of, uh, you know, corkscrewing into the ground takes place. All right. So what we have to do is uh, act now, I think, not to bail out the Chinese Communist Party, which Joe Biden and Wall Street are determined to try to do, but to help bring them down and free the Chinese people and relieve us of the great danger they pose. So we just have a couple minutes left, and I could spend hours with you. I thank you so much. We have today Frank Gaffney. Uh, Frank, I would ask a question. In China, um, there are good people. They're, they're, they have to live in that system, uh, subjected to the tyranny that they, that they have to live under. We have a deep state here. It sounds like the, the CCP there is not so deep. It's right there on the surface, right, uh, for all to see. But when you look at the World Economic Forum, WHO and these globalists trying to take over, are they aligned with the CCP? I'm so glad you asked that question. Um, after we put the book to print, to bed, um, I really became very concerned about um, one other line of attack that the Chinese Communist Party has been using aggressively, and that is what they call the global governance. Well, I call it gambit. Um, they're working inside organizations like the World Economic Forum, uh, most especially the World Health Organization and other UN agencies, to try to um, secure a new world order they dominate and in which we become uh, not just another nation, uh, but uh, in fact subservient to them. 
So, yes, um, the World Economic Forum, uh, the Global Resetters and so on uh, are huge admirers of uh, the Chinese Communist Party and its efficient model for getting things done. Um, Unbeknownst to most people, everybody thinks of them as an outfit that meets in Davos. They also meet every year in China. So, yes, they're working very closely together. The Chinese Communist Party selected the director general of the World Health Organization, a communist from Ethiopia. And what was done in that last biological warfare attack against us by this guy, Tedros Cabrasis, to tell us that this thing didn't come out of a laboratory and it wasn't all that communicable and you should allow people to travel to your country and, oh, by the way, you should adopt the China model of mask mandates and the lockdowns and taking inoculations of inadequately tested vaccines, all of that was something that the World Health Organization recommended. What they're doing now with the strong support of the Chinese Communist Party, with World Economic Forum support, with um, the European Union, and not least the Biden administration. They're trying to get the World Health Organization given new powers to not only advise, but to dictate when countries like ours have a public health emergency of international concern and what we must do about it. And as of right now, Jen, the United States Senate has refused to even look at, let alone consider formally as a treaty, the kind of arrangements that are being promoted here that would surrender our sovereignty irreversibly, I fear, including our personal medical health freedom to this unaccountable, communist-dominated, totalitarian aspiring World Health Organization entity and all of these global governance guys who are seeking to make it uh, capable of not only doing all of that, by the way, but using digital technology to identify and monitor and control as much as the Chinese do with their so-called social credit systems. Well, we could talk for days on this, and I appreciate the time you've given me just to sort of lay out some of this, but please go to theindictmentbook.com, folks, to check out this book if you care to, or the Committee on the Present Danger China's webinar is presentdangerchina.org, and much more you'll find there, or our website at the Center for Security Policy, Securing uh, sorry, securefreedom.org. Uh, and finally, if I may, just the plug for our show, we've got a, a website for it too called securingamerica.tv. Excellent. So you are a tremendous resource. I would welcome having you back and probably sooner than later, given all that's going on in the world. And I think it's important for our listeners here to activate. What that means is you need to start communicating up to Congress and let them know you're watching. You're aware it's not okay. You're holding them to account. Even if we can't figure out how they cheated in the systems and get through this, and we may or we may not. I mean, we we have the evidence, but the question is whether the courts will be participating in the overall scam of all of this. But at the end of the day, everyone, you need to voice your concerns to these elected officials because I know one thing. The only thing they care about is their next gig and how they get there. So your job is to let them know you're watching, I'm watching, and oh, by the way, our Second Amendment rights shall not be infringed because someday we're going to need them, whether we like it or not. God bless you, Frank Gaffney, for all the amazing work that you're doing. Everybody, follow us on Rumble, follow us on Facebook, and 
actually follow me at, at Real Jen Charlton, at Real Jen Charlton on Twitter. Starting to beef that up now that Elon Musk is running things. All right, everybody, have an awesome week. Stay, stay cool. It's going to get a little tricky, but the most important thing is that we're standing for our freedom up against the tyranny that would undo us. God bless you. Have a great week. FMV Frederick, a connoisseur media radio station.